Welcome to the How To Dad podcast. My name is Evan Pierce, and we are live on Mixer for our second Wednesday show. It is July twenty fourth, twenty nineteen. Our last episode was on the seventeenth, where we had the road trip recap episode, and we discussed tips and tricks that I picked up on my family's recent road trip into the states and back. Tonight's episode, or today's is episode 17 we're talking raising raising resilient children stage three uh each week guys i bring you tips tricks and for parenting adulting and life as a whole and share the tools of my toolbox with you to help you be better equipped for life's great adventures the how to dad podcast is owned and hosted by myself devin pierce and is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share Like 4.0 International License. All rights reserved. Currently, we are available for audio listeners on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, and Pocket Casts, Radio Public. If you would like to hear us on another audio platform, be sure to get in contact me, and I will do my best to get it there for you. We first talked about raising resilient children back on episode three, which was on March 24th, 2019. And then again for episode eight. So it's been a while. Episode eight was on April 28th, 2019. And if you haven't checked those episodes, I do invite you to go back and get caught up. As with the previous shows on this topic, we have a bounce back book from Alberta Health Services as our reference material. Stage three is about the ages of five to nine years of age. Um, also, birds made out of animated fruit pieces, maybe? seem to be our guides for our guides for this book anyways moving right along which i can't ever say out loud without thinking of uh Kermit the frog and the bear taxi as always in order to take care of our children we must first take care of ourselves if you need help with your mental health here in alberta Call the Mental Health Helpline at 1-877-303-2642. You can also call the Alberta Health Link by dialing 811. And of course, if there is any emergency type situations, please call 911. If you live outside of Alberta, be sure to look into what your local province, state, or country has set up and uh, know those numbers they might come in handy could save a life someday as a bit of review the four strengths or key points within uh, resiliency are self-confidence problem solving emotional regulation and empathy the first thing we're going to look at here is what is quite possibly the biggest change to your child's day-to-day life when they hit 
this age bracket. Starting school. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, especially when your kid's first going to full-time school. I mean, I know like the part-day thing, preschool, part-time, part-days is all that fun stuff. It's really quite popular now. I know for my daughter's first day of kindergarten this year, they're doing like five part-days or something foolish like this. I don't, I don't understand it. Just throw them in the deep end out of the swim or the sink. Guys, let's go get her done. Whatever. Not my basket. Not my eggs. Somebody else can crack them. Even if your children have been participating in part day programs, such as uh, preschool, age four, or even age three, if it's offered where you live, uh, children may still feel some apprehension about starting their first day of school. Aside from basic understandings of how things go, especially if they haven't done any preschool, or even the school supplies that they need, there are five basic skill sets that we as parents need to develop in our children to prepare them going forward for school. The first one is self-confidence, which is also an aspect of resiliency, so that's a two-for-one deal right there. Also, you're going to see that that kind of ties in for all of these, all, the, all those things. The second one is curiosity. The idea of asking questions and desiring to learn new things. Followed by self-control, such as learning to wait one's turn and emotional regulation, which is the other side of resiliency. And a big part of self-control. The ability to communicate. This includes expressing your personal emotions, desires, and expectations. And lastly, to cooperate. Respecting others. Doing as they ask of you. Sharing. And the ability to get along with other people. Which both the, this one and the last one are extensions of empathy. A third building block there of resiliency. Now, the fourth block of resiliency, the problem-solving, is kind of an umbrella statement, one that is utilized or can be applied to all five of those previously mentioned basic skills. And what this tells us, guys, is that resiliency directly affects our child's ability to learn and grow, and that is why it is such an important thing to encourage our children's development to encourage it in our children's development, I should say. So, the basics for getting ready for school are also pretty much the same as being resilient. So they go hand in hand. Here are some fun activities or ideas that may help you keep your child excited about starting school. Over the summer, up leading to their school attendances. Attendance. Take your child to their new school and let them play at the playground. This will let them become aware of their surroundings, at least in part, for their first day of school. If they're more comfortable playing at the playground because they are aware of it, 
this will allow your child to have a level of confidence. So even if things don't quite go so well in the first part of their morning, at recess, they can have the opportunity to regenerate their confidence because they are more familiar with the outside of the school than say the inside. Plan with your child's help how they will be going to and from school, whether they're taking the bus or you're dropping them off. Having them aware of the routine that's about to be instilled on them will prevent them from worrying about it. And with less stress on your children, the more they can learn and relax. This one could be fun. Having your child draw what they feel or think the first day of school will look like. Just give them a blank piece of paper and some crayons and let them have at it. Be sure to ask questions once they're finished and, and ask her, wow, and answer any questions that they come up with while they're drawing for you. This will help them settle their own concerns, some that you might not have even thought of, but they have a question, so they ask you, and then you tell them, well, this, and they're like, okay, cool. And now because you've answered all their questions about what their first day of school might be like, they will be more comfortable going there and more confident in having it happen. Let your kid pick their backpack and their lunch kit. And if there's a lot of like, Obviously, these are stupid and they're not going to work to contain the mess that is a child's backpack and lunch. Pick a few ones that you know are the correct size for your child and what you expect them to be taking for lunch and let them pick out of those, right? This goes back to our choice making that we've always talked about. Give them choices. Just make sure you like both options. Also, choose, use, you know, no, that ain't right either. <laughs> Include your child in the lunch making process, whether it goes from coming up with a grocery list or simply in the mornings or the night prior, helping you build their lunches. There's a lot of different ways that you can involve your kids in that. You get to make sure that they're getting a well-balanced and healthy meal. They get to know what they're going to get so that they aren't confused later. And this is another opportunity for a lot of choices to help build their self-confidence. Do you want apple juice or orange juice? Do you want juice or chocolate milk? Do you want a spinach and feta wrap? Or do you want a ham and cheese wrap? You know, they're going to get food. That's the important part. And they get to pick what it is. And that will make them happy. And happy children are usually a good thing. When it comes to school, there's a really big question that I think more parents need to ask themselves and then listen to my answer. Why is it important to have a good parent-teacher relationship? Got an answer? Well, if you haven't thought about it, once your child starts school, their teacher or teachers well, actually see more of your kids than you will in most cases. Unless you happen to be working at the school, and maybe not so much, but... 
and that kind of makes them a pretty important person both in the life of your child and your own life because anyone who is putting their time and energy into ensuring your child gets somewhere in life is kind of somebody that should be considered as important i'm thinking you and your spouse and your teachers of your children are a team with a shared interest in your child's success at school and if you don't feel like that's a true statement you shouldn't probably have your kid in that class and do something about that working together with a level of mutual respect that is focused on the best interests of the child is the easiest way to find out what will work both at home and at school even when the two parties don't agree if your teacher makes a suggestion it's not something you're into this will be a good starting point to finding that middle ground as with any key relationship it is important to keep in touch whether it be through parent interviews report cards newsletters the daily agenda now, those are a few like in hand hard tools at your disposal but this is the 21st century come on additionally you got most schools implementing apps of some kind or another many schools also have twitter accounts and facebook pages and there's facebook groups so that you can be in contact with pretty much everybody um, my kids schools have used dojo the remind app and power school in the past they're sticking with power school for sure they use that one for the report cards now dojo i'm not so sure they're going to stick around with um i didn't really get it the messaging portion of it was fine but remind works great as a messaging app on its own so six of one and half dozen of the other when working with your children's teachers you should be sure to set reachable goals to help your child recover from mistakes or to make new headway in their education knowing their strengths will make it a lot easier for you and giving them obtainable goals will help build their overall resiliency in school going forward by building their confidence i always talk about how i need building blocks and i never bring them downstairs there's like a billion up there but whatever another quick tip help your child stay organized by assigning a shelf or bin maybe even just a specific spot in the kitchen as an example as a location for them to place their agenda zip folder and notes from school and then you have to go and make it a part of your daily routine for them to tell you when there are things there uh, make sure you're reviewing them that night because nothing sucks more than being caught with your pants down because you didn't read something that was sent home our school is really bad for sending a notice home the day before your kid is getting an award instead of you know like a week ahead so you can plan or maybe schedule it at work which would make sense but you know they just i'm pretty sure they just randomly pick kids the day before they're like well bob frank and jimmy haven't gotten an award this year so let's throw them a bone and that's why we don't have any advance warning but they swear that's not how it works 
back on uh, episode 9, which was on May 5th, we talked about teaching children respect. That was the second part of that series. And in that, we talked about the importance of having a good relationship with your child's school, as well as to encourage your children to have respect for their education. Please go check that one out. If you haven't already, uh, a little bit more detailed into some different ways you can get involved in ensuring your children take their education seriously. So if that's something that's important to you, go check that episode out. Moving forward into those four key aspects of resiliency, we're going to talk about self-confidence. As you know, self-confidence comes from caring and consistent relationships with significant adults or even peers that one has in life. We also know that regular routines, both at home and at school, help children learn to anticipate and prepare for what is to come or to navigate the ins and outs of the world. So they start to understand how they may be required to act. In the early school years, children are becoming more independent and capable at the same time. So they start learning the rules and behaviors of society. Through our encouragement and support, we can help build up their self-confidence and they will be better equipped to take on more grown-up responsibilities. In school, the way children learn in the subjects they like, and the subjects they like, I should say, start to become very clear early on. Some children may require more help in certain subjects than others, that kind of thing. And it is at this age that they begin to develop their sense of personal qualities or, and strengths, understanding that they are different from other people, all of which are really big things when you think about it. And to think that five-year-olds are learning this is kind of impressive. I know 30-year-olds that don't know who they are yet. When at home, we may share similar looks and history or traditions, our children learn that each of us is learning, to, each of us is capable of coping with the world in our own way, and that they are different from their parents or siblings and other family members. Giving your children the opportunity to express their individuality may be as simple as letting them make a decision for the family, like what board game are we going to play for family game night, what show are we going to watch this evening, it's especially important for families who have more than one child to take time and give attention to those individual qualities of each child, the things that make them unique from each other. Uh, showing them that it's okay to be different from the group and that these differences can be celebrated or encouraged is one of the key principles to building self-confidence. If you have a kid that is into sports and nobody else in your household is into sports sitting down with them and watching a sporting show or a game that they want to watch helps them feel safe and helps them know that you can like different things than your friends or family and it's it's all right 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 too many rights there now 
the bounce back books have uh, two different activities listed for building self-confidence. They have one for at school and one for at home. But depending on the size of your family, either of these activities might work. Uh, you may have to tweak it a little bit, but I'm going to go ahead and share both of them with you. The first one is called the sharing hat. This one is the one recommended for schools, but the basic premise is that you take a hat, all the members of your group or classroom, put their names on little bitty pieces of paper, put them in the hat, a selection of team members or classmates, pick names from the hat. The person who picks the name then reads the name and says something nice about that person or something that they like about the person. Then they say something nice or positive about themselves. The names that were picked are set aside, and each week new people pick new names until everyone has had a chance to both speak and to be complimented. And once you're done all the names, you put them back in the hat and start over. It's a, just a nice way to hear nice things from different people. The key here is to give each child the opportunity to speak out loud or publicly about one person and themselves. The at-home variation of this is called a sharing circle. The family sits in a circle and you pick who goes first and you, the person who starts says something nice about themselves and the person next to them. You pick which way you want to go when you start, but whatever. Take all your turns, you go around the circle. You do this once a week, once a month, however often you feel is necessary to build up that person's confidence. If, say, one of your children is obviously feeling pretty down and out about themselves, maybe they've been bullied, helping them see positive things about themselves because other people have said something positive or they have been forced to see something because they have to compliment themselves as well, right? That can help boost their confidence. You have this whole group of people who see something good in you. You could even alter this variation a little bit here and have a focus person. Put everybody's name in the hat, pull a name out, and have every single person compliment that one person whose name was drawn. Just kind of mashed up those two ideas right there on the spot. And I'm sure there are way more activities that you could also use for building up self-confidence. Day-to-day uh, -day routines and chores are another good one, guys. We've talked about them in the past, I'm pretty sure. The next topic, building block, is problem solving. And as a society, I have to say, problem solving is probably the place where we fail most often. And in my opinion, it is one of the most difficult things to properly teach children. The reason for that is because a lot of us haven't actually learned to properly problem solve. So how do you role model that for someone else and teach them how to do it right if you're still not sure? There's a lot of trial and error in parenting. I'm just going to throw that out there. There is no such thing as a perfect parent. And sometimes you learn everything you're teaching your kids 
as you're teaching it to them. At this age, the key is to give your child ideas as to how to solve their problems for themselves or the situation that they're in, whether they're having a disagreement with a classmate or a friend or a sibling or even an adult, which does happen. Concepts such as leaving the situation, uh, ignoring poor behavior that isn't a danger to someone else, you know, calmly knowing to calmly state what it is that they desire or need from the other person, knowing when to apologize and how to properly apologize. Saying sorry doesn't fix anything, guys. Changes in behavior show that you mean what you say, right? And encouraging that in your children is a really hard thing. I might actually have to put a... I'm going to write that down as a show note idea, actually. Um, another solution guiding thing is to finding a compromise that's fair for both parties involved, whether it's trading something, sharing something, or taking turns. And then also encouraging your children to know when to ask for help. Now, if you've tried to make a compromise and Billy still wants 60% of everything, well, maybe Billy needs a, an adult to tell him he's being rude. You know, I don't know. Or maybe an adult might have a better solution. Kids don't know everything. I think they do. That never goes away. The suggested activity for problem solving is also one that lets children feel comfortable and safe while permitting them to learn how to treat people the same way and give them that same thing. This activity is called a Charter of Rights and Responsibilities, which sounds really Canadian. I'll throw that out there. It can be done both at school and at home. It might look slightly different uh, at school or home, but the general premise of it is to create two columns. On the one side, you have the right of an individual, and on the other side, you have the corresponding responsibility. That's a mirror of that. This can be done at home or in school, but it should be done and focused on in a positive and upbeat way about how the family members should be treated and treat each other in return. So the examples I have here are like the right to be happy and secure within my personal space. I have the responsibility to respect the space of other people. I have the right to say what I'm thinking and how I feel in a healthy, positive way. And I have the responsibility to listening to what my family members think or feel. Pretty good example, I think. Once you're finished going through these rights and responsibilities, which would probably follow along the lines of household rules, if you have or haven't done them, maybe this is a better way to get it across to your children even, depending on the child. Make sure that you put this somewhere where everybody can read it. And so if someone feels like their rights are being ignored or someone feels someone else isn't adhering to their responsibilities, 
you have that there for reference, right? When it comes to emotional regulation, this gets tricky in that it can often become a reactionary educational process. What I mean by that is that a child will have an emotional moment or react poorly to a situation and then we correct their poor behavior rather than preemptively educating them on how to react to a situation. And far too often, we don't encourage positive reactions. And we talked about this in previous episodes as well, how important it is to draw attention to good behaviors. As much as to draw attention to the bad behaviors and correct them, the reason for this is because if children are going to do anything, they are going to do the thing that gets them the most attention. If the only way they can ever get you to look at them is by misbehaving, then they're going to misbehave. If you are constantly in their face about how great and awesome their behavior is, well, obviously that gets to your attention, so they're going to keep doing that. As they get older, this gets tricky, but it definitely is true for younger ages. And that's what we're focusing on. Five, two, nine. As children start to learn the rules and values of society, they can form relationships based around that. One of the best things in emotional management children learn at this age is patience and acceptance. Now with acceptance, that is both accepting their own failures and accepting the success of others. So not being a poor loser, right? The majority of educating our children on managing their emotions comes from positive role modeling of our own emotional management. We all have bad days. That's okay. You do you. Try your best. That's all I'm asking. If you need help managing your emotions, then go get help. I mentioned some phone numbers at the start of this episode go check them out talk to your personal health care professional they don't care but if you need a hand get a hand to make this more educational for our children or it to make it a more tangible what's the word for? tangible educational experience for our children it's important to talk about our different behaviors and why we acted the way we did and also the emotions that we may have associated with a point in time a simple example of this is waiting in line in the grocery store even though you were obviously in a hurry you may become frustrated or even angry because you were delayed further but you know the proper behavior is to simply wait your turn and keep your mouth shut. That was a self-reminder, by the way. Being held up because of other people is definitely one of my stress points in life. But I am getting better. At least I think so. Some children are actually going to be 
keen enough that they will, on their own accord, ask you about a behavior such as this when they witness it. However, other children, you will have to be the one to start the conversation. So you, you get back to the car. You sit, you get everybody's in the car, you packed up, whatever. And then you look at your kid and you go, so did you notice how daddy waited his turn? Patiently. Even though daddy was getting frustrated and upset about being late. It is polite to wait your turn and show other people respect. Just like you, other people have places to be. So there's no reason to get upset or angry at the people. You just need to wait your turn. It's a simple conversation. But you just taught your kids so many different things. At least six that I can think of off the top of my head. Bonus points if you can figure out all six. This is also a point in time as they learn rules where your children start to learn the difference between tattletaling and telling. Which, some people never actually figure that out, but there is a difference. Telling is the act of reporting a problem to someone else who may be able to help you resolve it or give you suggestions on how to. Tattling is not about solving the problem. However, it's about looking for emotional justification or to seek punishment of another individual. The direct example of this is that Billy wants to turn with a toy. Jimmy won't let him have it. By telling the teacher he has, Billy has a problem with Jimmy and that Jimmy isn't letting me play with this toy. Can you help me solve this problem? The teacher can then tell Billy, have you tried asking Jimmy nicely for a turn? Have you asked Jimmy how long it'll be until it is your turn? There's just simple questions like that. Or have you asked Jimmy if he would like to switch turns now? You know? Different things like that. So then the kid goes back with some information and he tries to solve the problem himself. That is telling a person something. Versus tattling, where Billy is blaming Jimmy because Jimmy won't share and he's mean and I want my turn so you got to give it to me because he's not sharing. The former is about understanding and solving a problem. The latter is about emotional justification and reaction. He is reacting emotionally, not logically, and expects you to feed into that and give him what he wants, which is not how it works or shouldn't. This is a key aspect. And when a child does react in that way to a situation, that is a teaching moment. You sit down with Billy, you go, Billy, I understand that you were upset because Jimmy won't share with you. That is a problem. Would you like some ideas as to how you can solve the problem? Depending on the child, 
they might say no. And that's okay. You just tell them, well, unfortunately, Billy, this isn't my problem. It is your problem, so you need to solve it. I do have some ideas that may help you. And then revert to the previous example. Helping your children have opportunities to learn how to interact with with each other's or with each other's with others and to regulate their emotions. You need to give them lots of different chances, whether this is with family trips or birthday events or going to the park on the weekends as a few examples. And this is especially true if they are only children. You can't get better at something if you don't practice it, right? The same can be said about social interactions and understanding of other people. Only children are especially mentioned in this because they are typically used to being the only person in the room or the only focus in the room. So they might have a little bit harder time coping with not being the focus of attention. I mentioned a couple of episodes ago about how my family often made trips to spend time with other family. This may have been a factor in why that I hadn't actually considered being that I am an only child. I spend a lot of time around adults. I not really around kids. I like them so much now. Way nicer. The next big thing in the emotional regulation is emotional identification. Whether it's playing a game of emotional charades, drawing what emotions make us think of, or using photographs and videos of other people to identify more complex uh, emotions, there are many different ways to help our children learn all the variety of emotions that they may experience. And the more you know, the more confident they will be in expressing those emotions and feeling safe and positive about how they're doing it, right? I'm pretty sure I mentioned this in the last resiliency episode, but my son had group counseling sessions at school because of emotional outbursts and they connected specific emotions to numbers. He knew what emotions were, but for some reason he couldn't verbalize very well, if at all, how he was feeling. He found using the number system to say, I'm a number one Carter, I'm a number five Carter, I'm a number three Carter. And then knowing that, well, what is a number five Carter? A number five Carter is really, really angry. Well, why are you feeling that way, bud? Because he found a way to kind of slow himself down in processing the information. You know, this extra step of how I feel to a number, to the emotional word, instead of just feeling to emotional identification, gave him the opportunity to actually understand what he was feeling. And it worked really well for him. I, it was like night and day for him being able to express himself emotionally. So perhaps for your child, this might be such something to look at or a similar system. Just one of many different ways to kind of take that emotional identification and step it up a little bit or maybe personalize it and twist it around and scramble it up. I don't know. You do you. I'll do me. 
if you or your child need further assistance in emotional management, I would stress to you to seek help from either their teacher, their school, or your own personal mental health professional. Seeing a situation from another person's point of view, empathy, includes understanding that person's emotions. So in that instance, this does tie back into emotional management, because if you can't identify your own emotions, how can you have empathy towards how another person is feeling? How do you know what they're feeling in order to empathize with it? Because you don't know what it is. Because you don't know what your own stuff is. Shit talking mushrooms. When your child comes to you with questions about the differences between themselves and classmates, be sure to take the time to answer them as this is their attempt to learn the understanding of another person. Even if it's a really superficial difference like skin color or uh, language barriers or accents, it's still a level of understanding. And one of the ways that you can encourage understanding of other people is by taking part in like multicultural days and stuff or reading, reading books or watching movies from other cultures. It might give you a headache depending on what you're watching if you're doing a lot of subtitle reading, but exposure to other things makes them more normal for your kids. And that makes them more accepting of the differences between them and other people. From that, empathy becomes the basis on which friendships will be formed in your child's lifetime, as well as many other social skills that they will develop. You can take this and with showing your child a dedicated level of respect when they're talking to you by truly listening, which I'm pretty sure we've also talked about on another episode. This is the simplest way to build empathy in your child. Um, the section in the bounce back book, I feel like you could again apply the school things to uh, home or vice versa. And the activity they suggest is a variation of Simon Says. Use the game to give individuals who have similar characteristics or trait an action to do. So everyone who is left-handed, raise your left hand. Everyone who is right-handed, raise your right hand. While also having everyone paying attention to who's doing what to see if they can learn something new about another person so whether that's at school or at home you can have a little bit of fun with this you know your next family dinner thanksgiving something like that i like fully intend on implementing this game for us actually i think it'd be really fun for the kids the at home activity is called a kindness board each member of the family is given a different color of marker and throughout the course of the month writes down acts of kindness or good deeds they have performed for other members of the family at the end of the month you talk about the different things that were written down and discuss the importance they have in keeping the family healthy and happy however 
I would challenge this to say that it might actually work better for individuals in your household to write down the actions of other people in the household that they thought were kind or that they thought were a good deed. After all, empathy is about seeing things from other people's point of view. So what if perhaps something you may have done may have been more positive to another family member than you would have realized. So they write it up on the kindness board. And at the end of the month, you hear that Sally really appreciated it when you came upstairs and you grabbed her notebooks for her because she was struggling. And you just did it because you were passing by, but it was really helpful. So she wrote it on the kindness board. That's something to think about. Now you've just learned through their own eyes. They've shared with you that this experience for them was an act of kindness. And now you can understand something more from their perspective. That gives you a little bit of insight into how their brains work too. So you can learn quite a bit. Well, guys, I hope you found tonight's episode educational or helpful or both or maybe something. Uh, next week, we will be talking about the developmental milestones of children from ages 5 to 9, as suggested by Alberta Health Services. It was actually included in the same book for reference material, but I knew this was going to be a fairly long episode as it was, so I decided to set that aside for next week. The question I have for you guys this week, what was your best or worst or maybe both, subjects while you were going to school. And if you've let me know if you've gotten any better at your worst subject since you left school. If you're still in school, well, do you think you're going to get farther? Let me know. As always, you can get in touch with me via Twitter or email with crown, S-O, C-R-O-W-E-S-S, the number zero, whether that's on Twitter or at gmail.com. And as always, down below the bridge where all the trolls live in the comments section of YouTube. Thank you guys. Have a great night.